0: Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the Gold Line Podcast. I'm your host, Patrick Cipher, also known as No Huddle NFL on TikTok and Instagram. That is no Huddle NFL with no capitals and no spaces. Also available on Twitter. Again, no Huddle NFL. This time with an underscore at the end, let me restate that at no Huddle NFL. Underscore at the end. No capitals, no spaces. On Twitter. Content has been, you know, getting posted a lot there. I've kind of made that one of my main focuses, growing that fan base. With all the Madden rankings coming out, I find it very easy to make quick content, criticizing a very easy, easy target in EA Sports and their terrible, terrible Madden rankings. Speaking of rankings, I am now continuing my quarterback one rankings, a.k.a. ranking every team's starting quarterback based off what they did last year and throughout their career. Again, this is not a prediction, but for those of you that are interested in predictions, I am going to try and guess how I think a player will improve or get worse, or maybe they'll stay the same, right? I am basically, along with the ranking of where they are today, I'm going to attempt to rank where they'll be a year from now. Now, I'm not going to say an exact number, but let's say, for those of you that listened to the podcast last year, last week, I said Tua, I had him at 25, but I have his stock rising a lot. So I'm going to say, yeah, Tua is all the way at 25. And then I'm going to say why well, he's at 25. And then I'm going to say why I think he'll be better next year and why I think he'll be higher on this list if I do it again next year, which I most likely will. We left off with number 16, Ryan Tannehill, who I had finishing around the same spot for next year. My number 15 quarterback is someone that's very similar, but I think his doc is going to trend pretty, not too far up, but kind of far, and that is Kirk Cousins. Another game manager quarterback, but I trust him more, you know? Ryan Tannehill, yeah, is in a more, I don't want to say complex offense, but it's a more demanding offense in terms of the quarterback position. So he'll occasionally have, like, a screw-up. Kirk Cousins isn't in that demanding of an offense, but he executes that offense very well. These two are very close, Ryan Tannehill and Kirk Cousins, but I give Kirk Cousins that edge because, yeah, you know, he's not asked to do as much as Ryan Tannehill is asked, but Kirk Cousins also doesn't screw up as much. Yeah, I get it if you want to give Ryan Tannehill the edge because, his team is asking him to make throws with a higher degree of difficulty and erg, all that. And I got that. But with the weapons that Kirk Cousins has on his team, he doesn't really need to make those difficult throws. And because of that, I don't have a problem with him not being able to make those difficult throws. Right? Right? Ryan Tannehill is now in a position where Traylon Burks is his wide receiver one, a rookie who I'm personally not very high on. Of course, he has Derrick Henry, but I mean, we saw how that offense worked last year. It was running a lot with Derrick Henry, but then when we throw it, it's going to be play action, and it's not going to be like, oh, uh, play action, bootleg, easy pass. No, it's going to be play action. Now, take advantage of the fact that the defense bit. Get that. Perfect throw, 30 yards down the field. And Ryan Tannehill was very capable of doing that. But sometimes he failed to do it. Bengals game, cough, cough. Kirk Cousins, yeah, you know, he wasn't asked to make that same, you know, play action, take the shot, 30 yards down the field. He wasn't asked to do that as much. But when he was, he was solid. And he was more able to take advantage of the weapons around him. And because of the weapons around him, he's not going to need to make that 30-yard pass down the field, tight window, off-play action. No, he's not going to be asked to do that as much. And now on this offense, with Kevin O'Connell as the head coach, a Sean McVay disciple, that's why I think his stock is going to rise. Because I think... Kirk Cousins is perfect for an offense like that. Like people have to keep in mind, the offense we saw last year with Stafford, it was technically a McVay and Kevin O'Connell offense. It was but McVay's like ideal offense is under center. We're going to pound the rock and then we're going to do some really really unique, you know, passing concepts off play action. That's what McVay likes to do. But with a quarterback like Stafford, you don't need to do that stuff. And that's why you saw them operate in shotgun so much more. But with this Vikings offense next year, I'm expecting it to go back to Sean McVay's roots. Even though McVay isn't even the one on the team. I'm just saying that because Kevin O'Connell's here. A Sean McVay disciple. I didn't really make it clear why I have Kirk Cousins at 15. I think even though... He's not asked to do as much as some of the guys below him. He's able to execute this kind of hand the offense very well. And yes, the offense is holding his hand a decent amount. But when he is asked to elevate the team and make those difficult throws, he doesn't screw it up too often. And because of the situation around him, he doesn't really need to make those throws that much. So that's why I have him at 15 ahead of Ryan Tannehill and all the other guys I said in the last episode. But a number 14, I have a quarterback that I feel like is kind of overrated right now, Mac Jones. Listen, I get it. There's so many flashy rookie quarterbacks from last year, although none of them looked too good last year. I'm just saying, not many of them looked too good last year. And that's why Mac Jones is the highest. Ranked rookie quarterback on this list. Listen, but I I get it. He doesn't have the physical tools of a Trevor Lawrence. He doesn't have the arm of a Zach Wilson. He can't scramble like Justin Fields. But the mental aspects of the game, he got it down. On one of the most complex offenses in the entire NFL, with Josh McDaniels at the helm, he was able to get that year one and look like a pro instantly. I had Mac Jones winning Offensive Rookie of the Year going into last year, and I wasn't too far off. And, you know, maybe I should have predicted Jamar Chase having one of the best rookie seasons in wide receiver history. And that's That really is my bad. But really, the runner-up was Mac Jones, if I'm correct. It was either him or Najee Harris, and I think Mac Jones gets that edge. Because he led his team in the playoffs when in all in all honesty, did they really look like a playoff team? In terms of their roster around their rookie quarterback? No. Najee Harris was he was really good, but you know, Mike Tomlin, that really good defense, he wasn't the reason they made it. Mac Jones in his rookie year made that all like he made that offense. He did. Najee Harris was a key part of that run to the playoffs. But Mac Jones, I feel like if you want to talk about players, he was the reason. But the real reason was Belichick. Come on, we know this. But still, point is, stepped in year one, understood a very complex offense, and Josh McDaniels is highly praised offense. And... You know, we say all the time, oh, th- this quarterback in his rookie year looks really pro ready and he's making throws a 10 year veteran would make. And he's mentally digesting the game in a way that a 10 year veteran would. Mac Jones, like, he was literally doing that. There was no exaggeration if he said that. Like, I'm not, I'm going to be completely honest. I have never in NFL history, in my knowledge, I have never seen a quarterback in his rookie year look as pro-ready. Not as good, but as pro-ready as Mac Jones did in the 2021 NFL season. And I stand by that. Now, yeah, maybe it wasn't the best rookie season of all time, but I've never seen a rookie quarterback look as pro-ready as Mac Jones did. I love him. His ability to, you know, just execute a really – I can't say it enough. It was an extremely complex offense, and he was able to just completely understand it right away, right out the gate. It was amazing. Number 13, another game manager. I'm sorry that I'm going with all these game managers right now. Matt Ryan. People are going to see this year with – Matt Ryan on the Colts, people are going to say he's good. I, I'm i expecting him to rise on this list. You may see with most of these game manager quarterbacks, I kind of have them stay in the same place. Ryan Tannehill, I have staying in the same place. Matt Jones, I didn't really make it clear, but I have him staying around the same area. Kirk Cousins, I have rising. But still, Matt Ryan, if it weren't for him, the Falcons probably don't win a game. I want to say that they wouldn't win a game if it weren't for Matt Ryan. I'm not sure if I could say that with full confidence. But the point is, Falcons would have been in that worst team in the league discussion if it weren't for Matt Ryan. Matt Ryan literally won them games as a game manager. Game managers kind of get this rap as a, you know, oh, they'll execute the offense, not really, not really do much more. And I know I'm kind of, all these guys, I'm kind of describing them. As doing that. But the good game managers, Mac Jones is one of them. I think Kirk Cousins is going to become one of them with Kevin O'Connell. And I think Matt Ryan is one of them. Like the really, really good game managers are able to execute the offense so damn well, it actually becomes elevation of the offense. Because he is just so consistent in making these routine plays. So consistent. Maybe they can't make the game-breaking plays like Mahomes or Josh Allen. Maybe they can't. But their ability to just, oh, you're giving me a concept, I'm going to throw the ball in the right spot. I won't, you know, run the ball. I won't be able to make like an insane scramble drill play. And I might not be able to get it in the perfect spot, but I will get it in a spot where the wide receiver can catch it. Like these are the quarterbacks that you won't see you know, just throwing the game away. You won't see that. But the the thing with Matt Ryan and Matt Jones, too, that kind of puts them, I want to say, a tier above these guys like Kirk Cousins, Ryan Tannehill. They won't screw up, but at the same time, their insane consistency in the ability to routinely, you know, make these Decently difficult throws. That's what elevates the team. You won't see them like making these insane plays, and you probably won't notice it just watching film. But if you watch a bunch of snaps, and then realize like, oh shit, this quarterback threw the same exact concept at the with the same exact play called, same exact concept. He's able to digest it perfectly every single time and throw it in a spot every single time that the receiver can make a play. Not necessarily that they would because, well, you know, that Falcons receiver core was not all that great. But he always – you will not see a play from Matt Ryan last year where you were like, oh, what the hell is he doing? That was a stupid throw. No, it's always I, – I get it. Even, you know, it would have been nice if he could scramble out and make some insane throw, but Matt Ryan's not going to do that for you. And I think now in the Colts, you're going to see just how good a quarterback like he is in structure. And that's the thing that I mentioned a lot in the last episode. Like, I want to say everyone I had, like, above 22, their problem was if a play is in structure, they're still fucking it up. But these guys not I'm mentioning here, in structure, they're going to, They're going to ace it every time, especially Matt Ryan and Mac Jones. Matt Ryan, I'm expecting him to do better next year and for him to climb this ranking a little bit because that that Colts team is going to show just how good of a quarterback he is. Number 12, Dak Prescott. Dak Prescott's a really, like, unique case. I don't really feel like there's another quarterback like him. You know? Like, is there any quarterback in the league right now, or at least starting in the league right now, where you're like, you know, he doesn't make plays enough for me to put him in that, you know, Mahomes tier or Josh Allen tier. But he's such a good, like, tough it out, you know, I'm going to make a play. Maybe I won't be like a Mahomes-level play, but I'll still make a play. Like, you have to put him above those, like, game manager guys that I just mentioned because he's able to make plays while still being consistent in structure. That's something that's really important. But when the play breaks down, you get a little bit more of, like, playmaking ability out of a guy like Dak Prescott. That's why I have him all the way up here at 12. Because I feel like, you got the consistency of a guy like Kirk Cousins, Ryan Tannehill, Mac Jones. And then on top of that, you got this ability to make plays. Now, I was kind of on the Dak Prescott I hate train earlier this year. I was because I was just like, you know, everyone loves the offensive coordinator, Kellen Moore. Everyone talks up the offensive line so much. You know, Zeke can't be the problem. Tony Pollard is apparently one of the best back backup running backs in the league, and this receiver core is filled with studs. You know, Michael Gallup, Cedric Wilson, uh, C D Lamb, Amari Cooper. Like, what's the problem? It has to be Dak. And now I'm kind of starting to grow more of an appreciation for Dak. Like, when I was looking at film for this exact ranking, I began to notice, like, damn, I don't know why I was really hating on him. He's able to, you know, consistently execute the routine plays. But then on top of that, he has, like, this playmaking ability. And he's probably one of the toughest and best, like, pocket management quarterbacks in the league. And his ability to just stand there until the perfect time to throw it, he's really, really good in the pocket. I don't think that there's many, if any, quarterbacks that are better in the pocket than Dak Prescott. Like, I don't. Probably like Russell Wilson, I guess. Uh, Of course, Brady up there in terms of pocket management quarterbacks. But Dak Prescott is a really, really good quarterback in the pocket. His pocket presence is off the charts. He's great with it. The grittiness really shows there. So again, I just think Dak Prescott, he's able to execute in structure, but then you also get this playmaking ability from him. So that's why I have him all the way up here at 12. But the problem is I kind of have his stock dropping a little bit, a little, because he lost a target. He's had basically his entire career in Amari Cooper. And, you know, I love CD lamb. I love him, but Michael Gallup, I'm not confident in him, nor am I confident in his ability to stay healthy. I like James Washington, but he hasn't really done much since he came into the NFL this offensive line, it's starting – I don't want to say it's starting to look bad, but it's not looking the same it used to, man. And that running game, I get it. You pay Zeke a lot of money, but Pollage the guy. And once they realize that, this team is going to look a lot better. The problem is this team is currently in a spot where they're going to need Dak to be their guy. They're going to need him to step up into like this top five quarterback territory because well they paid him like that type of quarterback and because they paid him like that type of quarterback they can't pay everyone else so now dak is kind of in a spot where he needs to elevate the offense and although i think he can and he has done it i don't think that he can do it to the level that they want and the team is going to be more dependent on him and they're going to realize he's good but he's not as good as they think and i Definitely see, like, a type of over-reliance that they're going to have on this team or on Dak Prescott, and that's going to negatively affect the team, which will kind of cause them to drop a little bit below. And I have so many quarterbacks rising up. It's hard for me not to say that Dak Prescott will fall down a little bit. Number 11, Derek Carr. A quarterback that I can definitely see winning an MVP this year. I talked earlier about how advanced and how highly praised the Josh McDaniels offense is. Guess who their head coach is? Right? And then their tight end, Darren Waller. Does he remind you of anyone? Rob Rob Gronkowski? Maybe he's not quite the blocker, but he got that same physical beast as a receiver. And then Hunter Renfro... You got that gritty slot guy. And then on top of that, you got something you don't really see much in a Belichick offense, but when you do see it, cough, cough Antonio Brown that one week, cough, cough Randy Moss's stunt on the Patriots. They got Devontae Adams to fill that role. And, again, we see just how dominant the Josh McDaniels offense is when they have one of those elite receivers. It doesn't happen often, but when it does – the quarterback looks really, really good. If Derek Carr can get the offense down and Devontae Adams stays healthy, Hunter Ren- Hunter Renfro stays healthy, Darren Waller stays healthy, Carr could very realistically win the MVP. Very realistically. So I'm expecting his stock to rise. But what does Derek Carr do well? First off, Derek Carr is one of the best leaders in the entire sport right now. The only reason that that Raiders team was a playoff team last year was because of Derek Carr. There was a point in the year, I'm not sure if it stayed true through the end of the year, but there was a point in the year where every game that Derek Carr threw for 300 or more yards, they won. But every time he threw for below 300 yards, they lost. This team literally depended on him. He was literally the reason that the team was able to stay afloat, despite all the off-field issues. And that's just a testament to his leadership. And then again, you got a quarterback who's good under structure. But when the play breaks down, he could roll out to the right and shoot an absolute piss missile in the perfect spot. For Hunter Renfro to make a play. Or now we'll see DeMonte Adams making plays off of it. Derek Carr, he has a good arm. He's accurate. There's really not much to dislike about Carr. Right? Mobile enough. Really, everything you could want from a quarterback, he's got it. Maybe he doesn't have it to the level as... Some of these guys in the top 10. But he does everyone, every single thing well. He is the jack-of-all-trades of of quarterback. Anyways, I'm about to get into the top 10. But before that, really quick ad break. I hope that you're enjoying so far. When I come back, I'm going to go over my number 10. And we are back. I hope that you all are enjoying so far. I personally am having a lot more fun with this than I expected. Again, I never really liked rankings so much, but, you know, it's kind of starting to grow on me the more I do this. But something to keep in mind that always kind of prevents me from liking these rankings too much is all of these are based off perspective and opinion and personal preference. If you like, you know, these quarterbacks that, can run more you're gonna have a guy like Jalen Hurts a little bit higher than I had him or if you you know prefer quarterbacks that can you know just execute the offense make plays when needed but they're not gonna really have the physical ability of a guy like Aaron Rodgers and you know you value leadership a lot you probably have Derek Carr inside your top 10 so, you know, it's all personal preference. I personally am a big fan of running quarterbacks, and that is why I have Kyler Murray starting off my top 10. I get it, right? He did not look good to end the year. He did not at all. But you have a quarterback with a absolute cannon for a right arm, extremely evasive, very, very good runner. I mean, ha- probably the second best in the league, right? I don't really think that's up for debate. He is the second-best running quarterback in the league. You have a guy who could just extend plays an insane amount and then shoot absolute piss missiles across the field. Like, that's the thing. It's not just, oh, he's going to juke your interior defensive tackle and then go outside and then juke your defensive end and then juke your linebacker and run for, like, 10 yards. No. Who – Juke your defensive tackle, juke your defensive end, reverse field, juke the other defensive end, and then shoot an absolute piss missile across the field for 60 yards while one of the linebackers is running down to blitz him and the presser goes into his face, but he's still throwing that absolute dart off his back foot. And it's a 60-yard game. The playmaking ability that Kyler Murray has is extremely underrated and I don't know why because you think people would see some of the stuff he does and then be like oh shoot this guy I know that he had a a pretty bad end of season last year but what he was doing the first I want to say 11 weeks 12 weeks something like that what he was doing that during that winning streak was ridiculous ridiculous and the fact he has a receiver like DeAndre Hopkins with him to help him make these plays it's a perfect match it is a literal perfect match I don't think that there's a better fit in terms of a receiver and his quarterback than DeAndre Hopkins and Kyler Murray now I'm not saying they have the best chemistry in the league but I'm saying in terms of their play style I don't think there's a better match Now that Devontae Adams is not with Aaron Rodgers, yeah. I honestly do think that. I'm trying to think, right? I mean, A.J. Brown and Ryan Tannehill was also a really good one, but they're not together anymore either. So I legitimately think, yeah. In terms of play style, the best fit in a receiver quarterback duo or tight end quarterback duo is schematically DeAndre Hopkins and Kyler Murray. They are perfect fits for each other in terms of their play style. In structure, too, he's good until, you know, the end of the season. I don't know what happened, but I like to hope that that's not going to be the case next year. I like to hope next year we're going to see the Kyler Murray from early in the year as opposed to the Kyler Murray later in that year. And that, I know that's been a theme throughout his career, and that makes me question his leadership, which is why I don't have him much higher. But I do still think the playmaking and raw athletic ability alone makes him a top-ten quarterback. And I have him staying around the same area because I think the inconsistency towards the end of the season continues. And that is going to keep him out of my top-seven, top-eight. My number nine, though, This is a quarterback that I feel like is extremely overhated for no reason whatsoever. Lamar Jackson. I don't know what it is, NFL media. I don't know what Lamar Jackson did to you guys, but he's a stud. He's an absolute freak. He is the best rushing quarterback of the past decade. Like, I'm sorry to break it to you. That's just the case. Like, he's phenomenal. One of the best rushing quarterbacks of all time already. His arm is criminally underrated. Like, people act like, oh, you know, receivers don't want to go to the Ravens because of Lamar Jackson. That's not true. Receivers don't want to go to the Ravens because the Ravens don't throw the ball. Not because Lamar Jackson can't throw the ball, but because they'd rather run it with their insanely athletic quarterback. And they have a really nice scheme in terms of running the ball. Like, that entire playbook that Greg Roman has, Is built to run the ball. Is built to pound the rock. That's why they don't throw the ball. It's not because Kyler Murray... Or sorry. It's not because Lamar Jackson can't. Because he's shown he's a really good thrower of the football. Really good thrower of the football. And he could throw the deep ball too. Greg Roman just likes to run the ball. And how could I blame him with some of the run-blocking schemes that he has designed, like, they're crazy. Like, people give Greg Roman a lot of shit, okay? And some of it's deserved. But at the same time, you also gotta give him credit because in a lot of ways, he's one of the most revolutioni- revolutionary running game coordinator. Like, I know he's not a running game coordinator. He is one of the most revolutionary run-play designer. There you go. That's what I want to call him. He's one of the most revolutionary running run-play designers in the entire NFL right now. Of course, you got Kyle Shanahan, but I think right after him, you got Greg Roman. What he has done and his ability to modernize and kind of make the read option a pro-style thing and completely dominate the NFL in the fashion that he has is insane. Oh, the NFL's in a passing era right now. Explain what the Ravens have been doing for the past two years, three years. Explain that. Lamar Jackson's healthy, and the entire team is healthy. This offense is electric, and it's not because of how they're throwing the ball. It's because Lamar Jackson's ability to, you know, basically be the the lead back for his team It opened so many lanes for the rest of the team. Like, you get the reason that J.K. Dobbins was one of the most efficient running backs in the entire NFL's rookie year wasn't because J.K. Dobbins was like some extremely good running back. No, it was because Lamar Jackson gaining most of the attention of the defense led to those running lanes being wide open because of these lead blockers like Patrick Ricard, like Nick Boyle. The offensive line tremendous even though they lost Orlando Brown it's still a really good unit and now they have Tyler Linderbaum there and when he needs to throw it he throws and he throws it well just because the offense prioritizes the running game doesn't mean the quarterback can't throw like how stupid would it be to say oh the Chiefs always pass the ball Patrick Mahomes sucks because he can't hand off to the running back like what are you saying And yeah, I get it. It's different. Handing off to the running back is way easier. Yeah, but the point is we've seen that Lamar Jackson can throw the ball. We've seen it. So to just assume that he can't because he doesn't do it as often as some of these other guys, it's stupid because that's the way the offense is designed. I'm expecting him to trend up because I love Rashad Bateman, and I think he's going to have a really good season. I think he's going to kind of show – Hey, you know, receiver, free agents, maybe you want to come here because we kind of got a stud quarterback throwing the ball that could also run it really well too. My number eight is Matthew Stafford, a quarterback I expect to end up around the same area. So the thing with Matthew Stafford, you got a quarterback who can make an insane play at any time, but he can also make some pretty stupid boneheaded plays at times. Like, with Matthew Stafford, here's my, like, comparison that is going to sound disrespectful at first, but I want you to hear me out. With Matthew Stafford, you have Carson Wentz, but the playmaking is, like, 90% of the time, or, sorry, like, 95. Let's give him that much. The playmaking is, like, 95% of the time, as opposed to just, like, 50. And then the stupid throws are, like, 5% of the time which sometimes that'll hurt you, but when you have as good of a team as the Rams do, that 5% doesn't matter as much as it would if he was on a team like, I don't know, the Colts or Commanders. I don't know why the Colts came to mind, but I guess they are another team. Like, in order for Stafford to be good, he needs to have not just, like, a good team. He needs to have a ridiculous team around him, which is kind of holds him back because, you know, one stupid play late in the playoffs can get you knocked out. Look at that 49ers game. The dropped interception. 49ers could have won that game, go to the Super Bowl. But they were lucky. Didn't happen. Look at those games late in the season. The Titans game. He was just filled with stupid throws. You know, he made some stupid throws in all the playoff games. He really did. The Buccaneers game, it wasn't exactly the greatest showing until the end. But didn't matter much. You want to know why? Because they have Aaron Donald, Jalen Ramsey on the other side of the ball. If Stafford didn't have a good defense, he probably falls down this ranking a little bit. So that that's something I also keep in mind when I'm making this list. I keep in mind their talent in terms of the context of their team. Right? Like I said with Kyler Murray, oh, he has a really good quarterback that allows him to play the style of football that he can. Matthew Stafford. He has a really good defense that allows him to make stupid throws and not really deal with many consequences. But Stafford also has this ridiculous playmaking ability, and that's why he takes those risks. Because, yeah, sometimes it's going to be an interception. Or other times it's gonna be an 80-yard dime down the field to win them the game. Also, the clutch factor. I truly do believe right now there is not any quarterback other than the obvious two Josh Allen and Patrick Mahomes. There's not any quarterback that I rather have in a two-minute drill than Matthew Stafford. Other than Brady. Brady too. <laughs> Let me make that clear. Brady. Mahomes, Josh Allen. I thought that it was like somewhat self-explanatory that he wouldn't be in that group. But I just need to make that clear because I don't want to get posted out of context on the internet because of something out of context. And then all of a sudden I lose all my followers or whatever. No, we're not having that. You take away Mahomes, Josh Allen, Brady. Matthew Stafford is the fourth clutchest quarterback in the NFL right now. I stand by that. The playoffs proved it. Number seven. A quarterback that also feels a little bit underrated. And it feels like everyone ranks him here, but I don't really hear people talk about him enough as, like, one of the best quarterbacks in the league. Russell Wilson. Come on, guys. This guy, Russell Wilson, is a stud. Absolute dog. And Matthew Stafford I have staying around that same area because – What is there really to improve on? Like, I still think he's going to be the same quarterback. Russell Wilson, I feel like we haven't seen like that really, really damn good Russell Wilson in a while. It feels like it's been two years since we've seen like the stud Russell Wilson. So I feel like this year he's going to remind people like, hey, I'm Russell Wilson. You give me the right group of the receivers, I'm going to ball out. Russell Wilson has a rocket arm, really underrated arm. And then the mobility, the improvis- the improvisational ability, very impressive. He's a really good quarterback that doesn't really get respect. Or it doesn't feel like he does. He's a great playmaker. He makes plays a lot. And, yeah, you know, sometimes you'll see him a little bit too hungry to make a play. Kind of like I mentioned with Matthew Stafford. But it doesn't normally end up in a turnover. It's normally like a long sack with him, which isn't as bad. And the thing is, sometimes he'll get a long sack on first down, but then on second down, he throws a 30-yard bomb. That's what you got here. I'm just excited to see how Russell Wilson uses all these different weapons because they're all different. You got Mink- Sorry, you got Tim Patrick, who is a really good like, 50-50 ball guy, they got Cortland Sutton, who could do that, but he's also a pretty good route runner, kind of a good possessing guy. They got Jared Judy, great route runner, not really as you know consistent as you'd like. And then you got KJ Hamler, who's kind of a mix of everything. So I'm excited to see it. I'm expecting his stock to rise because, well, I just mentioned this receiver core looks really good. Number six. Aaron Rodgers. Yeah, I know. Some of you want you want me to have him higher. I can't do it. You want to know why I can't do it? Because when I see Aaron Rodgers, and this has kind of been my complaint with him for the past, like, three years, I see a quarterback that, you know, he looks really good in the regular season. You want to know why? Because he's doing all the easy shit during the regular season, okay? He's doing all this, like, oh, okay, I'm going to throw it, like, a solid five yards. And I'm not saying he's not capable of doing the other stuff. He just doesn't. Do you... Tell me this. Like, honestly, do you see Aaron Rodgers try and, like, push the ball deep down the field when his team actually needs him to? No. It could be third and eight with a minute left, and they're down six. He's going to throw a two-yard dump pass. I've seen it multiple times. The reality is, if you want to be ranked higher on this list, score more than, what was it, 10 points? in a divisional playoff game after a bye week. Oh, yeah, blame the special teams all you want. If if Aaron Rodgers was truly one of the best quarterbacks in the league, truly a top three quarterback like everyone wants to act like he is, where was he that game? He should be able to make up for a lackluster special teams. Like, what the hell? You're really going to put this guy in the same breath as a guy like Josh Allen or Patrick Mahomes? Are you kidding me? It's downright disrespectful to put him ahead of Justin Herbert, Joe Burrow, Tom Brady. Yeah, I just spoiled my list. I'm sorry, guys. <laughs> like, what are – I don't get the Aaron Rodgers love that's all this on the thing. Oh, yeah, back-to-back MVP. I don't care. Do something in the playoffs for me, please. He can't. He hasn't been able to for a while. Or no, he's able to. He just doesn't for whatever reason because he doesn't want to be the reason his team loses. I'm telling you for a fact. I know it. He refuses to attempt that long bomb down the field when it, he actually, when his team actually needs it because he doesn't want to be the reason they lost. Me throw, throw a pick in the playoffs? I would never. I would never. I'd rather throw it two yards when it's third and 28. like now without Devontae Adams, he's not going to have the playmakers to make up for that. They're going to still look extremely good during the regular season because they have a good coach. Good head coaches, I'm not sure if people notice this, but good head coaches basically guarantee regular season basically guarantee regular season success. But the problem is when it comes playoffs, that's when it's about your personnel. That's when it's about your players. And yeah, Rodgers is good. He can make all the throws, but he doesn't try to. Except for like, oh, I'm just going to get that really cool highlight to show on ESPN during the regular season when his team's already up 30. How about when your team is down seven with a minute left? It's third down. How about you do it then? Because he's too conservative at the times where he needs to be, like, a legit quarterback. That's why this team hasn't won a Super Bowl in years, in almost a decade. No, it's been more than a decade now. It's not because, oh, Aaron Rodgers' is situation is so bad. No, no. Dude, dude scored less than 20 points in a playoff game, and people are ranking him as a top three quarterback in the league? Are you kidding me? And it's, it's one thing if all oh, it happened once. No, it is every single year. We see the same Aaron Rodgers in the playoffs. Yeah, he could ball out all he wants in the regular season. Cool. I don't care. I want to see you do it against the Buccaneers. I want to see you do it against the 49ers. I want to see you do it against the good teams. I don't care how much you could score and how many highlights you could have against Detroit. It doesn't matter. Or, oh, I own the Bears. Good for you. Now, how about you go into the playoffs and own the Buccaneers with Brady? please Oh but no it's fine. Everyone is praising their defense so much right now. I'm going to I'm betting a lot of money right now. When they lose in the playoffs and they will, people are going to be like, "Oh, where was the defense? Uh, where was that?" No. No. Where was Aaron Rodgers, Mr. F- three-time MVP, four-time MVP? Where was he? Oh wait, oh, he was throwing two-yard dump passes on third and 19. Come on. Uh, and I expect him to be in the same area. And people are going to continue to overrate him because he's going to be in like the MVP conversation just because he's tearing apart the Bears, tearing apart the Lions. Oh, good for you. Number five, Tom Brady. We all know how good Tom Brady is. I don't think I need to elaborate here. In structure, you're, there's not a better quarterback ever. There's no quarterback that could do more with more. Maybe you put him in a bad situation, he wouldn't be able to look as good. But if you put Tom Brady in a good situation, there's no other quarterback that can allow that situation to be as good as he would. Like, you give Brady a legitimate team, it's lights out. It is lights out. You put him on a bad team, he's not going to look too good. Brady is the best quarterback of all time. And a lot of that is because of just how good he is mentally. I could break it down over a whole podcast, okay? Just how good he is at the mental aspects of the game. But the thing people kind of overrate now, people think, oh, he's old. He can't throw the ball downfield anymore. No, he can. He, he can. And that's something that I feel like people kind of overrate. Brady, I think, has one of the most underrated arms of all time, even today. Other than that, I think everyone knows about what makes Brady so good. And I'm expecting him to say around the same area. I would say decline, but does Brady really decline? I don't think he does. Number four, Justin Herbert. Absolute. Rocket can play in structure, something that is very important to me. All these guys are really good in structure, and that's something important. But all these guys in the top ten, the thing that differentiates them is that they're good in structure, but then when they need to make the play, they'll make it. That's something that's really important in a quarterback. I don't care how often you can, you know, make that, uh, make that quick slant pass. Yeah, you know, that's good. That is really important. Don't get me wrong. But the quarterbacks that could do that consistently, and then on top of that, These quarterbacks that can make these remarkable throws, you know, rolling out to their right and throwing it 70 yards down the field, its absolute laser. Uh, Place the ball perfectly, perfect spot. And yeah, I know, I, I make it sound like it's some Herculean task that just can't be done by an actual human being and can only really be done by a Madden player. But the thing that separates these guys, like Justin Herbert and the other three, you all probably know, from even Tom Brady, who I literally just called the greatest quarterback of all time, is that these guys will not just, like, make plays. The plays that they're making are ridiculous. Like, they shouldn't be able to be made by any human being that isn't on steroids. And even then, like, I hope you understand the difference between Justin Herbert, who I have at four, and – Drew Locke, who I have all the way back at 32, and he's also a starting quarterback in the NFL. The difference between them is you. I am pretty certain you could literally inject steroids into Drew Locke and he still cannot make the plays that Justin Herbert is capable of making in his sleep on a bad day with his left hand. And that's not even like as much of a knock on Drew Locke as you think it is. These guys are just absolute freaks of nature. These next four, including Herbert. I mean, it's just ridiculous. The throws he can make, the absolute rocket he has taped to his right arm that could just fire the ball into any window. And the consistency at which he's able to do it. And then also being able to do the mental stuff correctly. It's just unfair. The number three, Joe Burrow. Now... Joe Burrow can't do the stuff physically that Herbert can. He's not, He doesn't have a weak arm. Like, I don't want you to get that wrong. In fact, I'd still consider his arm strong. But, you know, he won't shoot that 70-yard bomb down the field. He won't. With that said, I'll settle for 50 and still perfect ball placement under pressure. It's ridiculous still. Like, I just noticed earlier, I referred to Dak Prescott as the best, you know, pocket quarterback in the league, other than Brady. I was wrong. Joe Burrow should absolutely be there, ahead of Dak. Not ahead of Brady. Brady is still amazing at it. But you have to keep in mind, like, Joe Burrow literally led a team to the playoffs with one of the worst offensive lines in the league. That doesn't happen unless your quarterback is ridiculous in the pocket. Gets the ball out perfectly. Will literally fire the ball away with a defensive player right in his face. Like, literally right there. Because the offensive line won't give him time, so he's going to have to utilize every single second he could get. And the accuracy is unreal. I mean, perfect ball placement nearly all the time. I don't understand how he does it. People say, oh, look at how good T. Higgins is with the with the 50-50 ball, and you know he's able to out-muscle the opposing corner. No, no, no. Like, yeah, he's good at that. Don't get me wrong. But you understand the main reason that T. Higgins can do what he does is because Joe Burrow puts it in a spot that only he can get it. Again, another match of just perfect wide receiver conceptually with a quarterback that, again, schematically – Tendency-wise, physical ability-wise, is just perfect with that receiver. In context, Joe Burrow is a perfect fit with that team. This team has a bad offensive line. Well, you get a quarterback that can savor every millisecond that the offensive line can give him. This team has a really, really really good 50-50 ball receiver. Well, It's your lucky day. This quarterback can also put the ball at the perfect spot for the 50-50 ball receiver to be able to make that, like, a 70-30 or even an 80-20. Joe Burrow deserves a lot of credit, and he's getting it, luckily. My number two, Patrick Mahomes. Some of you might have expected him to be number one, and, I mean, he is phenomenal. The physical talent off the charts again. Absolute rocket of an arm. I would kind of like to see how he does in this upcoming year. And by the way, all these guys in the top six, I'm expecting them to stay in the same area. I am. It will change, but I'm not sure. I'm not very sure how. And I'm not going to try and predict that, in all honesty. But Mahomes, I'm expecting him to still look good without Tyreek Hill because I think mentally he's got it down more than people seem to think. Gonna be strange to him to learn how to utilize different receivers, but once he gets a hang of it, he's gonna maybe even look better. You get that right? Like, as opposed to having one receiver that's a very good route runner, very fast, underrated with the 50 50 balls, very good after the catch, all that stuff. Like, he was literally Tyreek Hill was literally good at everything. Like, keep that in mind. Now, instead, you got a receiver who's very, very fast, a receiver that's really good in the slot really able to outmuscle people. Receiver that's really good with the 50/50 ball. Instead of having it all in one, you have multiple receivers that could do it. That's the difference this year. It's not much of a downgrade if you think about it. Mahomes again, like the arm phenomenal, mentally very underrated. Accurate too and then the play there's not a better playmaker in the sport, let alone that quarterback than Patrick Mahomes. And even the mobility, like, he's not the most pulverizing runner, but he's, he got wheels. Tell you that much. You know who has more wheels and you know who's a better runner? Pulverizing and then has the arm talent on top of it, Josh Allen. Best quarterback in the league. The arm ridiculous. You got the Cam Newton frame with the Cam Newton running ability and then probably faster. And then mentally, again, he he's he executes the throws. He times it well. The chemistry between him and Stefan Diggs is very, very nice. Very nice to watch that play out. I mean, again, really good ball placement, too. You literally get everything here. The playmaking, again, off the charts. But the thing I want you all to realize right here, and this would be, like, my major takeaway in this entire experiment, and that's what this is, an experiment. You have... All four of the top quarterbacks on this list, AFC. Just keep that in mind. All four. All four AFC quarterbacks. What does that tell you? What does that tell you, guys? The AFC is going to dominate this year, okay? It's not even going to be close between them and the NFC. The team that makes it out of the AFC is going to win the Super Bowl. I don't know who yet. I still need to do my entire Super Bowl prediction, but as of right now, my initial thought process is whatever team makes it to the makes it out of the AFC wins the Super Bowl, and it's because it's going to be one of the teams that have these guys playing quarterback, or at least that's what I think. Yeah, and that could change, but as of right now, my mentality is those top four guys way better than everyone below them, and that's not exactly a knock on the Tom Brady, Aaron Rodgers, and I made it sound very hateful towards Aaron Rodgers. It's just everyone already knows what makes Aaron Rodgers good. I would need to elaborate on why I have him low. Again, feel free to comment anything on my TikTok or even DM me about anything on this list. And maybe in the next week's episode, I'll say my reaction to your comment. Maybe I agree. Maybe I disagree. Why I disagree. Why I might agree. Anyway, I hope you enjoyed. If you want more content, check out No Huddle NFL on TikTok or Instagram. That is TikTok with n- sorry. That is No Huddle NFL with no capitals and no spaces. I hope that you enjoyed. Also check out the Twitter, NoHuddleNFL. Underscore at the end, no spaces, at NoHuddleNFL. Please check that out too. I hope that you all enjoyed. Come back next week. Thank you.